You're listening to The Happiness Hub, part of the Redshift Community Podcast Network with me, Liz Parkin. And me, Kedron Elliott. Every episode, we'll share top tips on how to get happy and stay happy. So listen in, get involved and be happy. Hello, you are listening to The Happiness Hub and this is our first episode of our fourth series. Liz, can you believe we are now four series in? (laughs) I can't believe it and I feel I feel like I've really missed it and you because <laughs> oh. I didn't really get to involve with the happy happy because you and Ben had it so well organized uh, but I did enjoy listening to your podcast and yeah I've not had my little weekly chats with Kedders. Yeah I know I know that's what we used to do about a bit of a catch-up didn't we? Yeah um, and I know like um, when we did the happy happy and I know Ben was kind of like my sidekick but for most of those, but it was nice when you and Ben did um, your week around giving and connecting. And uh, I listened to it when I was out for a run. And I quite, I quite enjoyed that experience too, listening to you and Ben. <laughs> it was good. It's nice to have a bit of a bit of a swap round and a different different take on things. Yeah, it was good. I feel like I'm I'm well rested. It came at a good time because obviously, I as some people know, I started my new job, so I'm I'm six weeks in. So having a, a bit of headspace and not needing to worry about the app was. Uh, or that podcast was was a real help to me and now I feel refreshed and raring to go fabulous that's good to hear so we're um we finished our last series around the happy happy and we've we've just been doing a little bit of uh contacting all our participants and asking them how they've got on so we will put something up on our blog on the uh, happiness hub website to tell you a little bit more about that and what might be next in the pipeline um, and I've kind of taken the reins for this full series uh, because it's kind of come out of some of the people that we've interviewed, but also because of both, well, my diagnosis with MS in January, but also you had a diagnosis um, during lockdown as well of, of something that was troubling you, haven't you? Yeah, nothing, nowhere near as severe or long term as your MS, but uh, something called costochondrosis, which... It, is a random thing that nobody's heard of so yeah I've done a little bit of research on how to deal with that and that kind of sparked my interest really about um different kind of kind of diseases and conditions that people have that might not be visible uh, I mean I don't know about you but I didn't really know that much about MS before I was diagnosed and and again with your costochondrosis I I'd never heard of it and when you first told me I was like oh god you always think it's going to be I don't know worry it's going to be really bad don't you before you're diagnosed because you don't know what's going on Mm, absolutely yeah and I and I remember thinking also in the 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 time frame so October to December or in fact it was Christmas Eve that I was actually at the doctors and was diagnosed but there was about 10 days from when I had an x-ray to when I went to the doctors and, and got the diagnosis and I remember feeling even more pain and even more anxious and even mm. more like other things going on in my body, thinking, oh, my God, that is that re- relative. Have I got a, a deep vein thrombosis? Am I going to have a heart attack? Yeah. And, and, I, and I can totally. And then bizarrely, the next day, which was obviously Christmas Day, the pain had had almost not it hadn't gone, but it had subsided and all the other like things that were going on had disappeared. And I thought, oh my goodness me, that was anxiety in its truest form because I don't anxiety is something I don't tend to suffer from much these days but I do remember thinking I just that not knowing 
of what was wrong with me was awful and you know I just totally feel that was only like 10-15 days between having an x-ray and having a diagnosis but you know you have to you've gone through months and months and months of investigations and trying to work out you know that you get your MS diagnosis and people people do they 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 have long long time to um to get to diagnose so I can completely understand how that can add to people's anxiety and, and affect their mental health negatively mm, yeah and we, we talked a bit about this before we started recording about people might have challenges with their mental health even before they're diagnosed with like with with a condition like like these and so even dealing with that is another challenge for them but then also like you saying that whole diagnosis process can be very worrying and and Mm. and anxious anxiety provoking but also then then having a condition can bring a whole suite of different things um, you know, it's it's dealing with, with with the diagnosis yourself and what it means and what the future is going to hold, and then worrying about your family and telling them, and mm. then what the kind of treatment. There's there's a whole suite of things that kind of can. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Bath. I wouldn't say bacitate, but that's not the right word. Exasperate. Uh, Exasper. <laughs> I know the word you mean. <laughs> yeah. Right. Our listeners will know the word I mean. <laughs> exactly. I always struggle struggle with my my uh, words when we were recording, darling. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, it is a serious subject, but we do like to have a laugh and a joke on <laughs> happiness, happiness uh, uh, podcast. Oh, yeah. but, you know that's that's the other thing and that's the six-week wellness program that we did as well there's all those little elements that we talked about can really help with when you're going through this sort of thing and sense of humor is is a really uh important thing you know if you can't laugh and joke about it I always remember when I was doing one of my slimming world groups and I had a lovely gentleman that came in there and he was suffering quite badly he had um I think he had bowel cancer and he, he'd had to have quite a lot of surgery and, and different things affixiated mm. to him. And, and he said that, um, yes, I've been to the hospital and they told me I've got to have a bag. So I've asked for a Gucci one. Oh, yeah. Bloody hell, you know, making jokes after, around something that, you know, severe. I've heard that before. I know a lady that had a, um, a bag and she called it Trevor. <laughs> Trevor. <laughs> I'm off out with Trevor now and she used to just say the funniest things about her and Trevor <laughs> she's like yeah mom my, my husband thought I was having an affair at first but no I just had to call him Trevor <laughs> that's it making light of it as best you can yeah and I also think from my perspective you know when I first was talking to you about it you uh, put me in touch with one of your friends Karen which I'm hoping to get on on uh, one of the episodes in this series as well and actually mm-hmm. talking to somebody else who has experienced and gone through or has the same sort of um disease or uh, god I can't get my words out again it's really it's really useful to talk to somebody who knows who gets it if you know what I mean who's gone who's gone through it that was really useful so thank you for putting me in touch with with Karen and also I think that you know my pleasure because Karen's Karen's great when I first met Karen she was very much um can't remember how she termed how she how she describes it it's not like a high and a low but she was she was well and then due to stress relating to her business she went into this low or this relapse and I saw her through the whole of that phase over a a sort of a 18 month period and I was really astounded by how it, it kind of took hold of her and yet now she's well again and it's that's the weirdest thing about MS and I guess probably 
plenty of other conditions and diseases where you you do have these fits and spurts and, and peaks and troughs of wellness um sometimes brought on by understandable recognizable triggers like you I don't know you might eat something that triggers it or you might know that if you're getting stressed or a certain time of year and a certain season might trigger things but goodness me to to deal with you know work family life um when you've got something like that I really yeah I really take my hat off to to Karen and to to people that are dealing with these long-term conditions that that Joe blogs on the street will not know if you walk down the street on a good day will not know that you've got anything wrong you're not walking with a limp you're not you haven't got crutches you haven't got your arm in a sling you, you know yeah you haven't lost your hair all these things that are just so that sometimes you can detect when somebody's poorly or somebody's got a condition that they're dealing with but there are these hidden conditions that um go completely unnoticed yeah and I think I think that's another thing that we wanted to do with the podcast is just to sort of raise awareness of some of these things and what I really liked about some of the guests that we had on was how they kind of reacted to their diagnosis and and, and their symptoms so Hannah that we had on she's become like an ambassador for like a PCOS support group Mm. Um, we talked to Saskia who had a, a, a number of different things and, and called them all her superpowers, which I loved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how they've kind of used, you know, the fact that they've had these to help other people. And that, that happen, happens quite a lot. Mm. And even with mental health, isn't it? Because a lot of the people we interviewed, particularly from the mental health um, charities, always, always pretty much had a story to tell about their own mental health. Definitely. Yeah, Absolutely. So that's kind of things we're going to be covering. Um, and we are still looking for guests. So we will see some familiar faces. Well, you'll hear some familiar voices on the podcast. Yeah. We've invited Laura back to talk about her fibromyalgia. We've invited Hannah to talk, uh, talk about her PCOS because, as I said, she's been an ambassador now for that as well. Um, Saskia is going to come back on. And, and also our friend Joe. I've convinced her to come on the podcast really? because um, she had very uh, severe arthritis, didn't yeah, she? She had rheumatoid arthritis and yeah. really wiped her out. And then she got onto that anti-inflammatory diet five years ago and just boom, hey presto, cured herself. Yeah. And so that was something that we played around with it, uh, at the beginning of the year, wasn't it? To help us with some of our kind of symptoms and, and uh, mental health and fatigue and tiredness is one of the things that I was struggling with as well, because um, your diet is a very important part of looking after your well-being. And we've we've talked in previous podcasts about the the link between your gut and your um, your mental health as well. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get her to, to come on and talk about her rheumatoid arthritis and, and having it at a very young age as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She you always relate that to older people, don't you? Yeah, she would have not even been 40, um, probably 30, 38, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So those are the sort of guests that we, we're coming on. A few people have also mentioned to me um, things like uh, endometriosis. This mm-hmm. is something we could talk about. So if, if there's somebody that's listening who um, is willing to come on and talk about that and their experiences, but also we want to uh, encourage people who provide services. So... Um, I've just done a fundraiser for MS Trust because they've been fantastic in helping and supporting me during the the whole diagnosis process and provided me with an an awful lot of resources. But also they seem to have like a a whole suite of Facebook groups and um, helplines that you can call to talk to people about the things that are going on, but also other people who suffer from MS as well. And I think that's really vital. So we'd like to get people uh, from charities uh, similar to that that are helping people on a daily basis 
with these kind of symptoms and and, and mental health that that brings along those as well yeah definitely shining a light on what you know exactly all those different um conditions and what they what they mean how they how you get them uh how you treat them how you deal with them so yeah anything like that would be really good to to hear from people that would like to contribute tell us kids what to the un, untrained ear what does ms mean and what does it mean for you so um, MS is a um, disease that kind of affects the central nervous system and particularly the brain and the spine. And it kind of manifests in, in lots of different ways. That's what I've been finding out. It's been a massive learning process for me. And speaking to people like yourself, a lot of people have said to me, well, I've got a friend or a family member who has MS. And they all seem to have a very different experience to, to me. So mm. it can affect people so differently. Um, and there are three different types of MS. So the one that I think that I have, although it's never been said to me by my MS specialist or nurses, is relapsing remitting. So I think that I've had this for a very long time, but it's just the third time that I've had a relapse is when it's been diagnosed. Right. So what MS does, it's an autoimmune disease and it attacks your nerves in your spine and your in your brain um, and it attacks something called myelin mm. which protects those nerves so when I went for the MRI scan the, fir- the first one I went to to sort of investigate what's going on it kind of causes what they call lesions and you can have them on your sp- your brain and on your spine and I had uh, them in both areas what was interesting, I did. I was doing a little bit of reading in some of the pamphlets that I got from MS uh, Trust earlier, is that actually that if you do have lesions in your brain, it, um, it can affect your mood, uh, depending on where the lesions are in your brain, it can affect those no. areas affect your mood which I wasn't wasn't aware of and then for me really um, I'm lucky I've got a very mild case so what happened with my MS is that I've lost feeling all times I've had it I've lost the feeling in my feet and my uh, legs uh, lower legs or from my waist down so the previous two times I had it they thought I had some sort of um, virus and the virus had attacked the nerves, and that's why I had a loss of sensation and that it would come back after a while, which it happened. The second time they thought it was to do with me just sitting at my desk and crossing my legs and putting pressure on the outside of my knee where there is a nerve there and causing damage there. And sure enough, the feeling kind of came back. So the third time it happened, I thought it would come back again. But, you know, as you get older, your body probably isn't as um, readily able to repair itself. And so after a couple of months, I was like, maybe I need to go and see the doctor because it's it's the feeling isn't coming back. And so was it like literally all the time you had no feeling or it's not no feeling whatsoever. So I'm not completely numb. I just know it's I've got a loss of sensation. So if I prodded myself in my legs at the top Mm. and then prodded prodded them further down, the sensation isn't it isn't. And I always feel, think it sounds a bit weird when I tell people, I mean, like they go like, you can't feel your feet properly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but numbness is quite a common um, symptom with people with MS and it can be anywhere in your body. Uh, uh, loss of sight can be a common thing as well. That's how um, one of my other uh, people that I've um, been in touch with, that's what happened to her. She, she started her vision um, losing her sight. That could be quite common. 
Um, so yeah, but then there's other things as well. So as I've been learning about it, I've had a lot of digestion problems and that's one of the reasons we did the anti-inflammatory diet to see if that could help with that. I won't go into too much detail on that. Um, <laughs> but even, even little things like, um, you know, fatigue and trouble sleeping, these could all be related to it as well. So the, and I think this is quite common with a lot of people that get diagnosed with things like MS or fibromyalgia as well, because there's a lot of similarities and that's an autoimmune yeah. disease. But you kind of look back and think, oh, you know, is that because of my MS or is that something different? You start trying to attribute a lot of things that you experience to it and trying to because you're always wanting an explanation of why is this how I feel is 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 MS and the fact I've had it for a long time. The reason I feel like this and I'm knackered a lot and I can't sleep and that sort of thing. Mm. yeah it's fascinating stuff isn't it and learning we've learned so much just in the last well six months now I can't believe we're halfway through the year already but we started that anti-inflammatory diet with Joe in January and learning about food and how how it affects our body and I'm amazed at how much my costochondrosis has sort pretty much sorted itself out because I've changed my diet and I've had a couple of relapses where I know I've eaten the wrong things and I suppose I could be more disciplined and not eat them, but I think, oh, no, I could really do with that bar of chocolate. Or I could really do with that glass of wine. Oh, oh, there we go. I've got pain again. Um, but fortunately, you know, I do know how to manage it. And now I'd say I'm probably 90% clear of pain mm-hmm. unless I slip up and eat the wrong thing. And that to me is, you know, having three or four months of, of really hard, horrible pain that nobody could, I couldn't explain to anybody. I couldn't, nobody could tell that I had it it was just it was just a pain that would come on and I would be wanting to take paracetamol or ibuprofen or have a wheat bag you know all those sorts of things I just don't have to do now because I've changed my diet so I'm really lucky you're massively lucky that 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 I've sorted it out in that respect yeah um and it's it's funny isn't it that how you can identify so quickly about having something and and how it affects you and I think Joe was very much like that wasn't she Mm. she knows that sugar and I think you've mentioned sugar as well is one of those things that can really kind of cause a sort of flare-up I suppose yeah yeah and that's what the anti-inflammatory diet was all about wasn't it you do cut an, an awful lot of things but then you reintroduce them into your diet to see if there's if you can spot those things mm. and again everybody's different isn't it? everybody's diet and um, bodies are, are, are very different in terms of what 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 might flare it up and what doesn't definitely the, the other thing that I was quite interested about from the people that we interviewed as well was that the a lot of people I've spoken to um uh, have been women and so uh ms is a lot more common in women obviously pcos is going to be and i know with fibromyalgia that both sexes can get it but i think again it's more prevalent in women um and it's kind of led me down a bit of a, like a, a rabbit hole with, with kind of looking into these sort of things and it also led me into watching that documentary a little while ago with Damina mccall about the menopause because um, I'm kind of getting into that sort of age as as a um, as a middle aged woman, and knowing how that can affect people. And some people, that was a real eye opener documentary, but also the fact that how some women really suffered with their mental health going through that menopause. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely seen friends and family members that have gone through it uh, or going through it, and my word, it's really knocked their mental health. And people that are that would never ever have considered themselves to have mental health issues or anxiety 
you know, they're having panic attacks, they're, they're having depression. Oh, goodness me, it, I'm slightly dreading it when it comes around to being my turn because, <laughs> you know, you literally do not know what you're going to have thrown at you, quite honestly. Yeah, and just how, how it affects people emotionally as well. I suppose it's all to do with um, hormones and um, Davina McCall even was advised not to do a programme about it. She was told that the topic was very unsavoury. And I think, you know, come on, we're in the 21st century now. I find that really, really strange considering, you know, all the stuff that we do talk about and that we do cover. And, yeah, we shine a light on on all sorts of things. And I just find it bizarre that, that the menopause is is considered to still be a dirty word or we, you know, we don't talk about it. Yes, I know when I was growing up, it wasn't really talked about. And I just, you know, we had, we were very aware that mum was going through it, but um, it wasn't really shared in the family. We just, uh, we sort of just took cover. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I do find it strange that, that there's that opinion attached to it. Yeah, well, she, she admitted herself in the documentary that, uh, maybe because she's been taking H HRT and HRT, I think, is very different from what it was when it first came out. They've made mm-hmm. such massive advances of it. But she said she she wouldn't have been talking. She wouldn't have wanted to talk about it herself, I think, about two or three years ago. Mm. Um, so there was obviously a stigma attached to it. Um, and, and I think you're right about why it, it, that topic seems to still be judged by some people as being taboo. I think hopefully Davina will be, she'll be that catalyst for change. Like, I can't remember which, was it might have been Barbara Windsor, but I know years ago, we're probably going back 10 years now, when Alzheimer's suddenly became, dementia suddenly became in the public domain. And it was because a famous person had it. And it was, a and there was a documentary around it and, and people started talking about it. And it's taken, I think, celebrities to to endorse or to shine a light on these various uh issues for it to come come out and be a be accepted as being a normal part of everyday conversation so hats off to Davina I do know lots of ladies I mean we've had presenters at the past in the past at Redshift who have done whole series of their shows around the menopause and people that have written books about it and set up help groups and things so there is definitely um a lot of awareness on a I suppose on a local level and hopefully what Davina is going to do is is make it national make it put it into the media's eyes and um help from that perspective as well which is is equally important Hmm. yeah i think i think through that program i mean the things she she was doing was like carting this huge a board that was on the back of the van with like all the symptoms and things and trailing it around the uk so i think that probably got a a little bit of exposure but this is part of um, this, the series as well is to talk about some of these things and and, and raise awareness about them um, and to, to get people talking about it as well, because I think talking about these things is is really important. And when you get diagnosed with something like this, you, you, you might go through the process of like, you know, I don't want to bore my friends by banging on about it all the time. But, mm. you know, if you're if you're not feeling well and 
you know, keeping it inside, not talking to somebody about it is, is really not going to help. So it's having those support networks, which are, are really important. And I think it's fabulous that things like the MS Trust have set up those like little communities, or you can even set up your own little community yourself and gathering quite a little collection of ladies who've got MS in Congleton. <laughs> we might set up a little bit of a, maybe an MS in the gin club. You can come <laughs> along as an honorary member if you Yay! like. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So that's what our next series is going to be about. But I also want to ask you, Liz, a little bit about we're nearly halfway through the year. And what's been some of your highlights for 2021 and what's been making you happy this year? Oh, now then, gosh, that's a big question. You didn't tell me we were going to ask. (laughs) Just thought about it now. (laughs) Blimey. Right. Well, I definitely finding this anti-inflammatory diet has been actually a bigger part of my life than I ever thought and mainly also because not just because I've got an ailment I need to sort out but also because I've been really crap over the years at sticking to it I thought oh yeah I'll go gluten-free oh yeah I'll try this I'll do this and they've lasted like not even a week these diets but Joe took us through a process that really re-educated us and um and that's been that's definitely been a, a highlight for me although I say I don't stick to it 100% 100% I'm very 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 much better than I ever was and that's good um I oh he's just come to see me I've got two kittens so Romeo's just oh, come yeah. to see me they have made me very happy and again happier than I even thought possible because they I've had cats before um but I've never had two cats together and something about these two together the way they play together and why the, the way their different personalities come out has has made me uh, it just makes me laugh really um, I'm just worried he might tread on my keyboard and, and this whole Zoom call disappear. <laughs> okay, Romeo. Um, so that's been making me happy. Uh, my garden has made me happy, especially with the turn in the weather of late, because every day I'm going out and watering it and seeing flowers grow and fruits. Uh, well, no, no fruit yet, but uh, tomato plants shooting up and onions growing. So that's all good. And then I think also, well, I've got a new job. I needed a new challenge. I needed a, yeah, I needed a new challenge and I've really enjoyed getting up and going to work every day, which I never in a million years thought I'd said I'd do because I've always worked from home and I've always worked very flexible hours with different contracts and things, but this is a proper, proper grown up full-time job. Yeah. I think those are the sort of things. And then, you know, things like spending time with you because we've done all our podcasting together just yeah being a bit more present I suppose not having to have I know we've talked about this in the past on podcasts because of lockdown my life has it hasn't slowed down but I have taken things out of it and that that to me is good you know I'm not doing as many events I'm not going to as many functions I'm not organizing as many things I'm you know all sorts of things and I actually really like that because I've loved being able to do my garden do my house, keep my house tidy, connect with friends all over the place, even friends in Dubai and stuff through Zoom that, you know, we haven't spoken for 10 years, 15 years, and then suddenly, oh, we've got Zoom now, so let's let's chat every month, and, you know, things like that are, are, are brilliant. So that's a very long way of saying, I think there's lots and lots of things this year that have made me very, very happy. <laughs> How about you? Yeah, I was just thinking while you were talking about the things that were making you happy, this last week has made me happy uh, in terms of the weather perking up a little bit. And similar to you, we started doing a few things in the garden. 
So we've got, uh, we've planted loads of things in our greenhouse because we got our greenhouse for free quite quite late last year. And we, I think we planted stuff in there too late. And we've, we've gone and got some pallets from the garden centre. We've broken those up. So we're going to be making yes. some raised beds. So I, I love doing stuff in the garden. I, yeah. We haven't really done much like that. Doing the the challenge, the fundraising challenge last month. Yeah. So I, I, I've just been overwhelmed by people's generosity. So I decided that I wanted to raise some money for MS Trust. I usually do one fundraiser every year because you did really well on your fundraiser. How much money did you raise? Thousands of pounds. Yeah, it wasn't just me, though. It was um, it was lots of friends and family members of Anya. But um, yeah, we we did 3000 sit ups. Can't remember what our total amount was two two thousand pounds two and a half grand something like that and uh, uh, what uh, charity was that for that was for the royal marsden charity which is the hospital where that that looked after Anya um when she was poorly yeah but that was lovely like the fact that you know you had lots of people taking part and everybody was like recording their sit-ups and putting it on facebook and things. yeah and it what was really nice Anya's got a big family and her in fact her husband's coming to see me tomorrow which is nice from kingston hello al and um Anya's got a twin who lives over in America, New York. She was taking part. Her brothers that live in Ireland, they were taking part. Her brother down in London and her husband was taking part. So it was, it was a nice way to connect with her family, um, some of which I actually only met, you know, at her funeral. So, yeah, that was that's another way of how the world is is all of a sudden a, a much, much smaller place. And thanks to thanks to COVID and thanks to Zoom, we've we've learned ways to connect with people and stay connected that's what I found doing my um, my challenge last month was uh, I, I posted quite a lot on social media on my Facebook and my Instagram about it and I set myself a challenge of doing 200 miles for the MS Trust and people who I hadn't spoken to for years like sponsored me um last weekend I went out to go and get some power put on the Congleton chat back has anyone got any pallets that we can you know go and spare we can pick up and this lady replied, she just lives around the corner from me, went to go and pick up some pallets. And she was showing me what she'd done with her garden. Seems we had like a mutual friend on Facebook. And she sponsored me when I got back home. because She'd friend requested me, saw what I was done, sponsored me £25. And I was Lovely. like, I just, just met this lady. Oh, isn't that nice? Um, but then again, just people get in contact and saying, you know, they'd heard about the diagnosis and they didn't realise I was doing it because of being diagnosed. And so mm. many people that I hadn't spoken to for ages got in touch. And that was so nice. So I think... Mm. So I think the total at the moment is about £900, but we've still got a few sponsors coming in. So that, that's been a real highlight. And I've joined a book club. So I know we were talking about it before. I think I'm on a podcast. targets, isn't it? 30 books this year? 30 books, yeah. So I think I've, oh God, I don't know how many I've read so far. I think it's going to be a bit of a struggle. And I've got to choose this month's book as well. And I'm really finding the pressure too much. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, yeah, I've, I've got to decide in the next couple of days about what book we're going to read. But I'm quite enjoying that. And it's getting again. We're doing it virtually over Zoom, getting to know a few more people in, in the area. So that, I've enjoyed doing that as well. Excellent. Very good. Yeah. I can never read 30 books in a year. Mm-hmm. I'd be lucky if I read three and they're on audio. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you've done, done really, really well. And actually, you smashed your target because how many miles did you do? 202 and a day to spare. I went out every day in May, bar one day. And And then on the last day, on the 31st, which was a Monday, I was like, shall I go out? And I'd already done 202 miles. 
And we did a bit of work in the garden. I thought, oh, I'll, have, I'll have a gin instead. <laughs> Good for you. I, I think that's just incredible. Absolutely incredible. I saw another campaign came up on Facebook yesterday and it said 30 miles in in July for cancer research. And I thought, yeah, it's, a, it's a mile a day, basically. I'm like, yeah, I could do a mile a day. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the thing is, I've been listening to, I've been out on my my uh, runs, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. MS Trust have a fantastic podcast, and they interviewed quite a lot of people who were diagnosed during quarantine. And I was like, how do I get on that podcast? I'd love to do that. Yeah. But also uh, a lot of podcasts about people doing like amazing things for charity. Like there's a lady, um, I'm, uh, we talked a little bit about this in the last podcast, has been about um, barefoot running because I thought that might be quite a good way of me improving my running because I can't feel my feet properly. Doing it barefoot gives you a lot more contact with the ground. And, you know, we talked about that during um, the new habits uh, week mm-hmm. where Ben was talking about grounding and, and you know, and actually mm-hmm. going barefoot in your garden, connecting with nature, that kind of way. So I've been, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts uh, around that. And this, this lady she did something like, I think it was like the Monarch, the challenge was called, but it was 625 miles she ran. I think it took her a couple of months or maybe a month or something like that. But I was just like, blooming neck. It just, it pales my 200 miles in a month. Into, um... well, she must have nothing else to do because to run that distance, you're going to have to not, you know. <laughs> well, this is the thing. When they were interviewing her, they were like, well, when were you doing this? And she was like, well, I did. I used to get up early in the morning and go for a run before I started work. She says, I'm lucky I've got to work that I can work from home or I can I can do it remotely. She also has two kids and her husband, I think, is very supportive. And she also uh, is a, a carer for a brother who lives with her as well. And I'm like, it's not as if she's not doing it. But yeah. I think she's one of those ladies, a bit like yourself, Liz, who's not happy unless she's doing something. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking um, of which, I'm uh, I'm off to the pub, so I need to go and put my face yes. on. Yes, okay. And, um, and yes, get myself out to sit in the pub garden, which would be rather nice. The Chumley, which is my favourite. <gasps> oh, yes, it's a lovely place, that. Yeah. So, we need to go yeah. and um, partake in some gins there, don't we? I know, that's it. The gin festival that they normally have. I wonder if they're going to do that in July. I will find mm. out for you. Oh, yes, let's find out. Yeah, definitely. Oh, brilliant. Well, it's been really nice uh, chatting to you for like... Back, I'm back in the game. Back in the <laughs> <hub>. <laughs> so I think our uh, next episode next week is with Laura. Laura's agreed to come back on. So that will be her fe- first guest. Brilliant. Fantastic. And we shall reconvene then, but I'll speak to you before then anyway, won't I? Yeah, indeed. Thanks ever so much for listening, everybody. <laughs> right. Bye. See you next week. You're listening to The Happiness Hub, part of the Redshift Community Podcast Network with me, Liz Parkin. And me, Kedron Elliott. Every episode, we'll share top tips on how to get happy and stay happy. So listen in, get involved and be happy.